The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to bromleytownchurch.com. Last week we were looking at Acts chapter 1. This week we're looking at Acts chapter 2. As we're in our series about Acts, obviously, uh, life in the early church. So we're going straight in this morning. I'm going to look at three points. Well, (laughs) by faith in the name of Jesus. We're going to look at three points which are promise fulfilled, Peter explains, and pattern established. Promise fulfilled, Peter explains, and pattern established. Promise fulfilled. Here we come into the second chapter of Acts. And of course Luke records what is what we would call uh, now as the day of Pentecost. He recalls the coming of the Holy Spirit. But I just want to take us to back to where they were. So we're going back in time. We're going to our disciples. There they are on that day. What we call the day of Pentecost. But they were calling the festival of weeks. This is the feast of weeks. They've just come into the beginning of another one of the Jewish festivals. And these were, or this one was one of what we call the pilgrim festivals. That is one of the festivals where instead of staying at home and celebrating. The idea was that you would come to Jerusalem and celebrate. Everybody would come from all around. So there were three of these big festivals. We have Pentecost. That has already come. We've now got the feast of weeks. And then there's the Feast of Tabernacles. So these three festivals were a call for all people, particularly the men, to come from all around, to gather in Jerusalem, and to celebrate with feasting together, but also to celebrate at the temple and the worship of God. And the Feast of Weeks was all about the beginning, or really, yeah, the beginning of the wheat harvest. There's already been the barley harvest. That happens around about Pentecost time. And according to the Jewish law, you count off 50 days from the beginning or from uh, Passover and you come to this particular festival 50 weeks. So if not 50 weeks, sorry, 50 days later, but it's because there's a number of of days, it's called uh, week, the Feast of Weeks. But in actual fact, in Greek, 50 or the Greek word for 50, and I haven't looked at my notes for this, for 50th is Pentecoste. You see, so when you understand that actually the Greek for 50th is Pentecoste, you can now see where the word Pentecost comes from in terms of us celebrating this festival. So here we are in Jerusalem, and there's loads of people that have all come to celebrate this grain harvest. The idea is that they bring first fruits, they bring some of their crop, and they come and they present it before God to say thank you. We're collecting food. Harvest is a bit of a different thing for us because the shops are always open. We haven't got into the idea of the rhythm of harvest. But we're collecting food because we want to say thank you. Thank you that we have received. We want to give that. In this case, we're giving it to somebody else. But we want to give that. And we want to say before God, God, thank you. It's good for us to stop just as they were required to stop for these festivals. And to say, hey, what is all this about? We want to have a moment where we're saying, thank you, Lord, for our wheat harvest. The bread that we have, thank you. Thank you for providing it. Thank you for those that have actually gathered it in. Thank you for those that have made it into bread for us, etc., etc. But we want to thank God for what he is doing. So there's loads of people in Jerusalem. They're thanking God for this harvest. 
And this was the day that God chose for the outpouring of his Holy Spirit. And as we know for Christians, many Christians would say, well, this is the birthday of the church. And it is a very important day. Yes, I recognize from that. But in reality, it was far bigger than that. This day marked the dawning of a whole new era. Let's read together. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. All the believers, it says, were together in one place. Where was that place? Well, in truth, Nobody really knows. Yes, of course, it was in Jerusalem. But are we talking about them being in the upper room? Are we talking about them being in one of the side rooms of the temple? Are we talking about them being in the temple courts? We're not exactly sure of where they were at this stage when the Holy Spirit came. Certainly what we do know is that all of these believers must have met together very early in the morning. Because later on we come out and find it's 9 o'clock in the morning. Well, right here and right now, this is early. So what we're expecting is that they were gathering together early in the morning to seek God and to pray to Him, to call upon Him. And that's where they were. The exact location, we're not sure of, but that's what we understand that they were doing. Incidentally, if you want to pray early in the morning, you can do that on a Thursday morning here, 6.30 in the morning till 7.30. You're welcome to join us for that. But on that, this particular occasion that we're speaking about today, as they were gathered, there was the sound of a rushing wind. The sound. It wasn't as though the windows were open and suddenly the wind blew in and everybody, whoa, what's that? No, there wasn't a wind. There was the sound of a wind. And there were tongues of fire, flames of fire that came to rest upon everybody. And they started speaking in tongues, started speaking in other languages. Now this may not just have been the original 11 disciples, but probably others who had joined with them. Last week we looked at Acts 1.14 where it says, They all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. So we recognize there in that upper room with those prayer meetings that there were other people. There were the family of Jesus had joined in. But if you go on to the next verse, Acts 1.15, it says, In those days Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120. So again, we're not sure how many people were there. It could have been 120 people. It might just have been the disciples and the immediate family of Jesus. But they all received the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and they began speaking in other languages. Whatever, the promise had now been fulfilled. Jesus had said in Luke 24, 49 to his disciples, I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. That had happened. The promise that Jesus had given had now been fulfilled. Promise fulfilled. Point one. Point two, Peter explains. I've already mentioned that this day doesn't just mark the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Yes, of course it's important for that. But we need to understand this 
was the dawning of a new era. What scholars would say is the change of a biblical dispensation. A dispensation being an appointed, a divinely appointed time. And let me explain what I mean. We've just come from the time of the law. Ever since Moses had led the children of Israel out of Egypt, they'd gone to Sinai, they'd received the law, and now they were living as a nation according to the law that God had given. And that is how they were living right up until this day. Certainly we've seen Jesus come. Jesus has died and has risen again, and Jesus has now ascended back into heaven. But now, with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, we're entering into a completely new era. It's not about the law, how you live. It's about the salvation that Jesus Christ has won and is now being freely given to those who will receive it. We've entered into that new age. And guess what? There hadn't been a change of age, as I said, right from way back in Moses' time. But from that time until now, we're in the same age. We are in that age of grace, as some people call it. You could say it's the age of salvation. We are in that same age now. So you can see, this was a moment in time. We're talking thousands of years that we have been in this same biblical age when there is salvation that is available to all who look to Jesus Christ. So the age had changed. And Jesus had said to his disciples with him that this this age will remain until the end of the age. When is that end of the age? Jesus had said this, sin will be rampant everywhere. This is Matthew 24, I should say. 12 to 14. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. So you see that we're in this age, but this age itself is moving towards somewhere. And even what's going on, and it's been spoken of, what's been happening in this nation this week, politics, you know that, storms, whatever. But it's not just this nation, it's nations around the world. Listen to what we just heard about that's going on in Haiti. If you're living in Haiti, it's like, this is a terrible storm. Everybody is feeling it. Why is this happening? It's happening because God has said, I'm going to shake everything that can be shaken. So that what cannot be shaken comes to the surface, is seen. And his kingdom is a kingdom that cannot be shaken. When we come into the kingdom of God, and this is what we're talking about this morning, we come into the kingdom of God, we're in a kingdom that is established, steadfast, and firm. Yes, the storms may rage against us, but we have God who has come to live within us. Jesus said, it's good for you that I'm going away. Because if I go away, the Father is going to send the Holy Spirit who will be with you and will be in you. And the Holy Spirit has come. As believers, the Holy Spirit has come to us. It is the very presence of God himself who has come to live within us. Now, I've been thinking about this. And you know, there are times when we feel holy and the Holy Spirit is with us. Holy moments, Holy Spirit with us. Unholy moments... And we think, where is he? But he is always with you because he is in you. Whether we feel like it, and we often try to engage with our feelings, but whether we feel it or not, 
When you have received Jesus into your life and you are living for him, his spirit has come to dwell within you. He's come to be with you. And we're looking at the day when that promise that the Holy Spirit was coming was initially made. So the gift of the Holy Spirit has been poured out. Well, what happens next? Well, we're going to find that Peter explains things. And this is the difficulty of having three points because this point is being broken down into another three points, you see. And I can see the clock. But we're going to look at it under this. Attention grabbed, conviction felt, and answers sought. Attention grabbed. Let's do some reading. Acts chapter 2. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. Verse 7. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they explained. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontius, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. Well, I've mentioned the fact that because this is a pilgrim festival, there were many people who have come. And actually, because of the time of year that it is, it's a time when actually you can travel around and there aren't storms at sea. The weather basically is nice right across the Mediterranean region because that's what we're talking about. Right across the Mediterranean region, and if you've been at school and you've done your homework or your history about the Roman uh, armies and all of their, uh, you know, their provinces, you'll know that it's all of that region, that's where people were coming from. So they're traveling from miles. They're traveling because they come from different people groups. They're coming from different languages. And here they are in Jerusalem, crowds and crowds of them. And there's this commotion going on. There's this noise because suddenly there's these disciples. They're speaking in tongues. And they, they're all excited. And they must have been very loud because there's, people are drawn towards this. And in fact, they're running towards, hey, what's going on? What's the commotion all about? They get there. And suddenly, all of these people from all around the nations, they're suddenly hearing these disciples, these believers, talking about God in their own language. Many of you, I expect, have been overseas on holiday or something like that. And you, if you've been to a place where they don't speak English, which I, fortunately for us, there's not that many places. But if you have been to a place where suddenly... Nobody speaks your language. You feel completely and utterly cut off. But as soon as you hear somebody who does speak your language, you're drawn immediately to them. Because they can help you. In your confusion, where you're at, in your separation, your isolation, suddenly somebody who speaks your language, you're there connecting to them. So you can just imagine what it was like. Everybody's hearing, hey, that's my language. They're speaking my language. What are they saying? And they're hearing them speaking about the wonders of God. No wonder there was a commotion. 
No wonder everybody was drawn there. They were completely amazed. Our baptized in the Holy Spirit disciples were literally overflowing with joy, overflowing with language. They were expressing the things of God all to those all around them. Acts 2 verses 7 and 8 said, Completely amazed, the people are saying, How can this be, they explained. These people are all from Galilee. They're from down the road. How come these people, these locals, are being able to speak our languages? That's really what they're saying. And yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Their reaction was quite understandable. They were amazed and perplexed. And of course in those situations you always get somebody, don't you, saying like, no, 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 it's not that. They're drunk. That's what the problem is. And so in the midst of this, we need somebody to stand up and to testify exactly what's going on. And so Peter, in the midst of everybody's attention having been grabbed by what was going on, he now comes forward to explain what is happening. And Peter gives an explanation. He steps forward. Acts 2, 14 to 17. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Notice that he says there, in the last days... I will pour out my spirit. If any of you are wondering what days you're living in, I can tell you these are the last days. Because God has already poured out his spirit and will continue to do so. And Peter, going on, still quoting to them from the prophet Joel, says this, Acts 20, verses 20 and 22, verses 20 and 21. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn to blood before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, will be saved. So Peter was reminding his listeners that the day of God's reckoning was still to come. But then, having told them that, he then goes on to testify about what Jesus had done. Acts 2 verses 22. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God raised him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. And going on to verse 32, God raised Jesus from the dead and we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us just as you see and hear today. Verse 36, so let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. As Peter explained to them, it's as though conviction 
fell upon them. Suddenly, the conviction of the Holy Spirit came upon those who were listening. Acts 2 verse 37, Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? As the Holy Spirit was working in that environment, all of those listening, all of those who'd been shouting, all of those who'd, who'd been crying out, what is all this about? Suddenly, they're under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And under that conviction and listening to what Peter is saying to them, they need answers. What should we do? What should we do? So Peter explains in the midst of this situation some of the answers that they could have. So answers sought. As answers were sought, Peter was quick to respond, what should you do? He says this, Acts 2 verse 38. Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So here the crowd were crying out, what, what should we do? What should we do? How can we get away from this feeling that we have? How can we get ourselves right with God? What do we need to do? And Peter says, you need to repent of your sins. You need to be baptized and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You need to save yourselves from this crooked generation. And the result of all of this, Acts 2 verse 41. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. That's a powerful message. But there was a powerful presence of God that was present there. Let me ask you this morning. Has your attention ever been grabbed by the things of God? Do you feel conviction from Him? Are you aware of things that are not right between you and God? The things that you're doing, the things that you're walking in? Are you aware of those things? Is the Holy Spirit prompting you even now to say, hey, this isn't right. This isn't what I want. Where's the Holy Spirit? If you're a believer, He's come to live within you. And that voice is in effect coming from within you. He says, this isn't the way to go. What do we need to do? We need to repent of our sins. Have you repented of your sins and come into a relationship with Jesus Christ but never been baptized? We see here so clearly what the early apostles were teaching. They said this, listen, first of all, you've done wrong. You need to say to God what it is that you've done wrong. You need to confess your sin. You need to tell him as it is. You need to get right with God. You've done that? Great. Now, you need to be baptized. Baptism is the doorway that is entering into the kingdom of God. Have you repented? Have you been baptized? Listen, if there's a case of no, I haven't, or I need to, then do so 
And if you haven't been baptized, come and tell us and we'll get you baptized. Because we want you to follow, not in our ways, we're seeking to follow the ways of the establishment of what Jesus has laid down and what the church were laying down in those centuries before. We're simply trying to follow those ways. And of course, if we do that, then we will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I wish that I had the time now just to put all of that aside and to talk to you about the Holy Spirit, of what he wants to do. There's so many blockages and mindsets of what we want from the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit was sent, that comforter, that word paraclete, which means that he's come to live alongside of us. Another of the same type as Jesus has come to us. Jesus knew with his disciples, guys, it's been okay when I've been with you, but I can't be with you any longer. I've got to go. And they were thinking like, wow, what are we going to do? Now that Jesus, Jesus has been the one with us. He, he's now going to go. What are we going to do? But he says, don't worry because I'm sending another of the same type as me to be with you forever. The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, this comforter, and there's all these different words. It means comforter. It means uh, um, somebody who's, who, who um, oh, advocate. Thank you for that. Thank you. Whoever said advocate, gold star there. Um, Advocate, one who comes, and an advocate is one who comes to give you support. The Holy Spirit has come, and first of all, he says, listen, Jesus isn't here, but don't worry, I am. You always think sometimes when you're reading scriptures, if you're like me, oh, wouldn't it be great if we had Jesus with us? You have the same spirit that is in heaven who is living within you. He is with you and we need to receive comfort that the Holy Spirit can bring to us. That he is with you. Look, you can look at the neighbors around you. I'm talking, if you are a believer, I'm talking to you. The Holy Spirit has come to you because he wants to comfort you. He's come to you because you have a work to do for heaven, which is to go with the good news and to give testimony about Jesus. And that advocate has come to strengthen you and to encourage you to be able to do the work that you've been called to do. He's come to be alongside us, to encourage us, to help us. The Holy Spirit has come to give us that strength. And he has come to dwell within us. Yes, he's come to enable us to speak in other tongues. Yes, he's come to give us the gifts of heaven. Yes, he's come to do all of these other things. But sometimes we're looking for power output when we haven't even built relationship with. We need relationship with the Holy Spirit. Every one of us needs relationship with the Holy Spirit. He isn't very far away because he's living within us. Our problem is we're so busy, we can't often spend the time to actually spend time with him Or even to hear what he has to say to us. But he still, even though that's the case, he still does marvelous things with us. He prompts us and reminds us of the things that Jesus has taught. He takes scriptures and brings them back to our memory. He encourages us. He protects us. He helps us. He leads us. He guides us. He gives us information. He gives us knowledge of things that are yet to happen. He does all of these things. Sometimes we think like, oh, but if only you would give me the amazing gifts. If only you would do this. Holy Spirit, let's just come back and let's just say thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have come. Thank you, Father, that you have sent your Holy Spirit on this day which represents for them a harvest day. A day of abundance. That's the day that Jesus decided or God decided that the Holy Spirit was going to be poured out. It represents something. 
It's also the day that the Jews used to celebrate that the law was given on Mount Sinai. And that's what the Jews today still celebrate at this festival. But we know it was an ending of that law. Listen, you've got to live this way. Now it's a case of, I need to ask you, Jesus, to come and help me with the power of your Holy Spirit to live the way you want me to live. You know, if you think you can live a righteous life, you are sadly mistaken. Because none of us in our own ability can live a righteous life. But if we call upon the Holy Spirit who is with us, he can help you overcome those things that you don't seem to be able to overcome. Because he is the power source of God that has come to you and is dwelling within you. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning. Or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.